0: This podcast is brought to you by Reynolds and Reynolds, the industry leader in automotive technology. Learn how inadequate data may be impacting your used vehicle department at rayray.com slash used cars. That's re slash used dash cars.
1: Want to dive deeper into the topics you hear about on Daily Drive? We're offering listeners a special offer, 20% off a one-year automotive news digital subscription. That gets you access to all of our news, information and analysis made for automotive industry leaders like you. Go to autonews.com slash daily drive promo to redeem. Welcome to Daily Drive for Friday, December 29th, 2023. I'm Jamie Butters, executive editor
2: of Automotive News in Detroit. And I'm Kellen Walker in Las Vegas. Today on the show, auto retail kept humming along in 2023 But dealers are still getting a bit anxious about what's in store for next year.
3: I think there's concern about affordability still. They're concerned about high interest rates and car buyers are sitting on the sidelines. and, And I think this concerns them.
2: Jamie talks with Automotive News Retail Editors Dan Shine and Melissa Burden about the highs and lows of auto retail in 2023 and why dealers are a little wary heading into the new year. Melissa
1: Burden, welcome to Daily Drive. Hi, thank you. Dan Shine, welcome. Uh, It's unusual to have you talking while I'm talking. Usually you have your own episodes, but welcome.
3: I'm happy to share the podcast with you.
1: (laughs) So it's uh, wonderful to have you both here. Of course, this is part of our year in review conversations. You two are our editors on the retail team. And as usual, there's a lot to talk about. I guess the general mood of dealers these days, it's they're still doing pretty well, but not as well as they were the previous three years. Uh, how, how's everybody holding up? What, the, what are the attitudes like?
4: Uh, I think you know we've heard from dealers that are a little bit, a little bit more pessimistic maybe than they were at the beginning of the year. You know, some have talked about as inventory levels have gone back up, at least for many of the brands, that they're seeing a little less per vehicle profit on the new vehicles, especially. There's some concern growing with selling EVs and just mm-hmm. how difficult that is now, um, at least for certain models. And they have a lot of the inventory on the lots to get through. Um, so I think those are some of the main concerns right now.
1: We just saw the uh, Cox Dealer Sentiment Index and actually turning uh, negative or you know, below 50 uh, in some of their outlooks that we haven't seen before, um, even though their the business is still pretty healthy.
4: Right. i I mean, as far as, I know Dan can maybe chime in a little bit more, but as far as, you know, dealers are, they're still making a lot of money. They're Mm -hmm. still probably making more than they were making in 2019. But because those COVID years were so strong for them, I think that they're starting to see just a little bit of a trickle down in terms of a little less money that's coming in. And some, you know, some don't see that maybe coming back.
1: Yeah. Dan, what do you see in your areas? Yeah, I think
3: pessimism is the right word. And pessimism now But when Cox talked about the next three months, there was extreme pessimism uh, that they just I think there's concern about affordability still. They're uh, concerned about high interest rates and people are, you know, car buyers are sitting on the sidelines. And I think this concerns them. Yeah, business is okay, but it's not the boom times that it was recently. And I think they're a little concerned that they may be going into a little bit of a lull here.
1: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I'm wondering about also about the service and parts business. Uh, you know, that's had some challenges, including the UAW strike, although it seemed like most dealers managed to get through that without too many constraints.
3: Yeah, the strike had impact, uh, you know, obviously in service and parts and collision. But it wasn't, I mean, you could hear the horror stories of you know people waiting for their cars for three weeks or a month before they could get the part uh, to fix it. But, but by and large, they did okay. They you know a lot of the good dealerships, uh, in advance of the strike, bought a lot of parts mm-hmm. and, and stocked themselves you know in, in anticipation of something. So they were you know in pretty good shape. I'm talking about service and parts, and you know Cox did another study uh, they do every other year on service dealership service versus uh, independent. Repair facilities, and for the first time since Cox has been doing Cox has been doing the story, uh, doing the survey uh, since 2015, dealerships finished behind independent repair facilities as the preferred vendor, the preferred choice for you know repairs
1: and maintenance. That sounds like an important turning point.
3: Yeah, and again, it was you know it was about trust. You know, people's trust in dealerships where they bought their Mm -hmm. vehicle is was declined. You know, like eight percentage points from two years ago. I think 35 percent of the folks surveyed took the cars to dealerships two years ago. Now only 31% do uh, repair shops, independent repair shops went up to 32%. Um, so, you know, there's this, there's still this perception, although as Cox pointed out, not valid really uh, that dealerships cost more, but it was, uh, you know, within $10 on average of the repair bill between an independent shop and a, and a dealership. So dealerships have a lot of work to do to build trust. You know, and I think they, with EVs, they see maybe this is an opportunity, that people are not going to take their EVs necessarily to the guy down the street or your shade tree mechanic. They've got to take it to a dealership. And and so they're kind of banking on that.
1: For those uh, customers who are uh, anxious about uh long waits, I can say, I mean, all through COVID it has taken a long time, no matter where you got your car fixed <laughs> to get it done, to get the parts in. It's just been, you know, parts have been so scarce uh, now for three years. Yeah.
3: yeah it's, it's an ongoing problem. And, and, Again, the, the good dealerships, you know, mitigated the best they could. Um, and there are a lot of, you know, training going on in, in service departments about, okay, how do you deal with customers and how do you talk to them and say, okay, it's going to be three weeks. And then, so you got to check in every few days. Okay. It's, it's going
4: to be, Is it still two gonna and a be half three weeks. weeks? <laughs> now it's two weeks.
3: But, you know, to kind of let them know, we haven't forgotten about you. Yeah. And, you know, to try and, again, lessen that impact.
4: Well, and then there's the service tax, too, that, you know, sometimes dealerships don't maybe have as many as they want or need, and you might be delayed to get your car repaired because of that.
3: Yep. The ongoing problem has been for years. and continues to be a problem that there aren't enough service technicians.
1: At a time when unemployment is below 4%, uh, it's not going to get any easier. No. Melissa, one of the areas you really lead our coverage, of course, is in uh, mergers and acquisitions or buy-sells, as we call them in the retail space. Uh, That continues to be a hot area.
4: Absolutely. Uh, We saw most of this year uh, in 2023 continued uh, lots of single store transactions, acquisitions, uh, sometimes smaller groups. And on December 11th, uh, we had Asbury Automotive Group just closed a Large transaction, a very large one, the largest of this year so far, buying the Jim Coons Automotive Companies mm-hmm. in Virginia. It's a 20-store group in the mid-Atlantic. Um, they paid $1.2 billion basically to acquire th- a little over $3 billion in annual revenue. So that was one of the larger ones this year, uh, but there's been plenty. Of, you know, People talk about a slowdown. There really hasn't been a slowdown. Uh, we, maybe what we have seen a slowdown is of these large transactions like that one. But we have some activity in the uk i don't know if you want to talk about that yeah
1: there's been a lot of activity in the uk <laughs> yeah. including one that's helped uh, kind of reshape the industry
4: right so lithia motors which uh did overtake uh, AutoNation auto nation here in the u.s as the largest group dealership group based in the u.s in terms of their new uh sales that happened uh, this year overtaking mm-hmm. auto nation They've made a couple of big acquisitions uh, this year, including early uh, in 2023, they bought Jardine Motors in the UK. They are looking to buy Pendragon, which that became kind of an interesting um, bidding war, if you will, between Penske and Hedden and AutoNation as well. Um, And ultimately, uh, Penske and AutoNation... They kind of just decided not to move forward with the proposals. Mm-hmm. And the shareholders at Pendragon approved Lithia's deal. And we're still waiting on that currently as of this taping to close.
1: Still needs to close, but it, it looks like they've got it locked in. And that one's also interesting, not just, uh, you know, Lithia really expanding. I mean, they just got into Canada and now the UK, and they're already building on that, uh, but also that the Uh, residual company would be, they're buying the Pendragon dealerships, but the remaining company would be Pinewood Technologies uh, that already has a a DMS. And then they would try to maybe partner with that entity to bring a cloud-based DMS to the United States market, um, which creates some very interesting dynamics. It seems like the kind of thing where other dealers wouldn't want to buy a DMS uh, or you know or sign up for a service, you know, from the biggest player in their industry. But maybe it's sort of like Tesla's Tesla and their charging network is like, well, if they're the biggest and this is the best, then maybe we just sign on.
4: Right. The part of that transaction does give Lithia a stake, an equity stake in Pinewood, which is Pendragon's DMS system. And that will be an interesting. To see what actually happens in terms of what they're able to do here in the U.S. um, in terms of signing up other dealers.
2: Coming up, Melissa and Dan talk more about Lithia's big expansion in 2023, as well as increasing government scrutiny over auto lending practices. That's next on Daily Drive. The auto industry's shift to carbon neutrality is here and it's accelerating. But is it enough? This is a moral imperative, an economic imperative, a moment of peril, but also a moment of extraordinary
1: possibilities. No more hesitancy, no more excuses, no more waiting for the others to move first. There is simply no more time for
2: that. Driving to Zero is a new podcast series from Automotive News that looks at the auto industry's roadmap to carbon neutrality. We take a big-picture look at the environmental, political, and social trends pushing the move toward a greener future, and we pull back the curtain on how these decisions are being made at the highest levels. I said, you know, the, the headline that you need is is GM believes in an all-electric future and I think Dan Ammon and Mary Barra pretty much said the same thing, which is, is like, but, but we, we don't. Spoiler alert, they came around to that idea. Find out how and much more. I'm Jake Neer. Join me and Automotive News Executive Editor Jamie Butters on Driving to Zero. Available now wherever you get your podcasts.
0: Lack of inventory, increased auction fees, and a volatile market means stocking your lot can be challenging these days. To be successful, you have to move fast. You need to make decisions quickly at auction. You need to inspect trade-ins and decide on an offer that will benefit you without slowing down the sales process. You need to appraise and price vehicles with the most up-to-date information possible in a market that can change quickly. But the data you rely on to make these decisions could be holding you back. How often do you find yourself manually filtering through comps because there are outliers that don't match the vehicle you're appraising? When unexpected mechanical issues come up, how much time do you have to spend looking back through comps to reprice the vehicle and determine if the reconditioning costs are worth it? How long do you spend searching through individual auction and third-party websites for the inventory you need? These problems affect the entire used vehicle process from acquisition to appraisal to merchandising. Visit rayraycom slash usedcars to explore how old and irrelevant vehicle information may be holding you back and discover how to make improvements for faster, more accurate, and more profitable decisions. That's R-E-Y, rey.com slash used cars.
1: Welcome back to Daily Drive. I'm Jamie Butters with Kellen Walker. I'm talking with Automotive News retail editors, Melissa Burden and Dan Shine about the biggest auto retail stories from the past year and what we expect to see in that space in 2024. So let's go a little further in Lithia. Of course, you and I and Jack Walsworth all went to visit Lithia at their headquarters and you know they have they're in the midst of this 5-year uh, growth plan uh, which seems to be going according to schedule and they're already planning for sort of the the next phase after that as they try to broaden out the business.
4: Right. So they have different pieces of the puzzle, if you will, that they want to integrate. Uh, They want to kind of grow, and DMS was one of the areas. uh, They're looking to to grow possibly through more RV dealerships, motorcycle dealerships, power sports, um, lots of different things, ancillary businesses that they want to add. Um, It'll be interesting to see, you know, how how large they can kind of grow with that, but, you know, they have the geographic footprint that we've already talked about that they're doing and expanding, and now this is kind of the further furthering out, you know, 2035, you know, 2040, if you will, Mm -hmm. in terms of what they're looking to do. Uh,
1: One of the other big publics, the uh, longtime number one was AutoNation. Uh, No longer number one, but investing and growing their finance business.
4: Right. So that's AutoNation uh, Finance, I believe. And when Mike Manley became CEO he really wanted to add a captive, so mm-hmm. they went out and bought another company, uh, Sig Financial, and this year they really, this year they really integrated that entity into working, especially with their AutoNation USA uh, used vehicle dealerships, to have that captive finance company there as they continue to grow their AutoNation USA footprint. Mm-hmm.
1: And that uh, that finance business, finance and insurance, sort of overlaps with that. Um, that's been a Maybe got into be a more challenging business with uh, greater regulatory scrutiny
3: yes it's uh compliance is the word of twenty twenty three I think <laughs> in that you know the FTC really came down on not only on dealerships but in some of the you know the safeguards rule that came into effect in june and and other things that in, includes auto dealerships uh it, it just made dealerships have to be more compliant more aware of you know how they're handling people's information all this personal data and uh it made it challenging for them, but, you know, the rule went into effect in June. Everyone seems to be okay. As a, although I said, we had a nice interview on on Daily Drive a while back with someone from Reynolds and Reynolds who operates your cybersecurity. And he said, just because you're compliant with safeguards rule doesn't mean that you're safe. Right. So there's more steps than just that. So I think dealerships have kind of stepped up their, you know, firewalls and security. Um, and it's just kind of an ongoing daily challenge because it's, they're a, they're a, you know, a nice target. There's a lot of personal data sitting in dealerships and a lot of, you know, a lot of employees who probably aren't paying attention to phishing scams and things like that that make them susceptible.
1: Yeah, a lot of challenges still in digital retail, a lot of progress, but a lot of challenges remain. Of course, one of the most interesting steps in that space was the uh, partnership announced in November between Hyundai and Amazon. Uh, kind of uh, one of those uh, things that... Uh, might might spark some fear in some dealerships. We certainly, we saw all the public dealership groups, stocks fall on the news. Uh, at least the way it's structured initially, it looks like it's very beneficial for the Hyundai dealers that are working. They don't have to pay a, a commission or even a, a lead generation fee. What are you hearing from dealers, either of you, about uh, kind of the attitudes about this or other observers of the industry?
4: I think people are kind of waiting to see, like, you know, how large it is and how Mm -hmm. large it grows. Um, I think some are not too worried if it's just one brand, um, you know, a small pilot of 18 dealers trying it out. But I think others do see this as the wave of the future, Um, so they do see some potential concerns around, you know, maybe F and I is an area that we haven't really fully understood how that's going to work um, in terms of if people are going to be able to. You know, add-on products at the dealership if they come in and you know to pick up their car, or um, you know, just necessarily what the profit margin might look like there. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, that'll be a really interesting uh, point. It looks like, I mean, the way they've talked about it, the customer will be able to pick and choose their F and I products uh, online. We've seen some studies; some brands have said people will actually buy more. When they're not going into the F and I office in a defensive crouch, feel rushed, yeah, or feel pressured. Uh, but on the other hand, uh, I'm sure a lot of those F and I managers feel like, hey, I, I know how to sell this. Right. Um, I want I don't I want my chance. I don't want them taking it away from me.
3: Right. I'm, the, the flip side of you know oh, they buy more when they can re- do it online is you know the F and I manager saying no. You know they need to be educated on this. I can educate them on here's why it makes sense for you to do that. And I need to be face-to-face with them in the office to, to do it. So I think the whole Amazon-Hyundai deal is for the smart dealerships, they're looking here, okay, digital retailing is a wave of the future. Mm-hmm. And auto have been very reluctant to do this, right? And, and But now uh, they had to do it because of the pandemic. And now things like the, you know, the Amazon-Hyundai deal make them kind of say, okay, we need to, we need to step up our game. There's an opportunity for us to look at our own digital retailing. How does it stack up? And, you know, we, if we can compete with them online, then we'll be okay. So I think, again, I think it'll be, you know, it'll be fine for dealerships. They just, they just can't, you know, take it lying down.
1: Yeah. It'll be, it'll be one of the big stories to watch throughout 2024. Of course, we said the pilot's just going to get started in the first right. quarter and we'll see how quickly it spreads through other Hyundai dealerships and maybe other Hyundai group brands and, and onto other brands. But, you know, the, Concern, I think a concern is the way Amazon has taken over the the book retailing market and this sort of, I think the reason those stocks fell is the idea, oh, they're going to do the same thing to cars that they did to books. Of course, uh, dealers have their state franchise laws and franchise agreements with the manufacturers that looks like they would be well protected, yeah. uh, but you deal with an entity that big and that powerful and that smart and it makes people nervous. You know, one of the other really interesting digital retail players is Carvana. Um, you mentioned Asbury earlier. I remember um, being so impressed uh, CEO David Holt, you know bought a car from Carvana, you know, in the boardroom so that all of his management team could watch how it was done and and see what that customer experience is like. How's Carvana holding up? It's been a really difficult, turbulent time in the used vehicle market.
4: Yeah, I think, you know, they've they've had kind of a mixed year. I mean, I think there was a lot of speculation even a year ago. Would they survive this year? Mm-hmm. I mean, I think some people were wondering at that, you know, wondering what was Lose happen. half a billion
1: that many times in a row, it's gonna be <laughs> um, take a toll.
4: But you know, they, they were able to restructure some debt this year. Mm-hmm. Um, and they've also some of their losses actually, you know, I think they had some more significant losses at the beginning of twenty twenty-three um that actually got a lot better as the year went on, although there were some one time you know, things that, that did help them, I would mm-hmm. say, in some of the earnings reports. But I think a lot of what the used, especially the online used vehicle uh, retailers have faced is just acquiring inventory has been very difficult, especially with that price point, maybe of what a consumer wants to pay for a used, you know, gently used car. A lot of the companies that we cover have faced that, you know, publics, private dealers, online um, used vehicle only dealers. So that's been an issue. And we saw Shift Technologies actually filed for bankruptcy this year as well.
1: One of the smaller online-only competitors. Right. Right. It's
3: hard to know if that's the, that's the tip of the iceberg or just, you know, it's a, it was a poor, small run company, you know, poorly run small company. I know that, um, you know, CJ Moore who covers the auction wholesale market for us. Did talk to people about Carvana and, and one analyst said that, you know, first four or five months of 2024 could be really important to them. If they continue to have kind of poor showings in the first couple of quarters, then, you know, maybe this might be it for them, but uh, they've seemed to be kind of resilient and maybe they will be again.
1: What else are you looking forward to or anticipating as big stories for 2024? Melissa, I'll start with you.
4: I think, you know, we'll continue to follow M&A. That'll be interesting mm-hmm. to see. Um, see where Lithia especially goes in terms of what else they might buy. Mm-hmm. Uh, we know that they're looking to add more You know, and more annual revenue through acquisitions. I do think the Amazon Hyundai pilot uh, will be interesting to follow as well. And I think, too, just seeing profitability at dealerships, what ends up happening um, with, you know, as inventory levels are pretty much getting really close back to where they were pre pandemic. Those are some of the things I'll be looking to see.
1: There was all that talk about how much better the industry ran with low inventories. And here we are almost all the way back to full, fully bloated, overflowing inventories that we had in, in 2019. Dan, what are you going to be watching?
3: I think uh, for F&I, looking at affordability, interest rates, and how those continue uh, impacting F&I offices and, and how they respond, looking at more omni-channel uh, retailing in the F and I office and have you know, more people can feel comfortable starting online, finishing in the brick and mortar store and but not having to sit there for three hours like they're at the DMV trying to renew their license or something. Uh, and for service and parts, it's, it's cars on the road are 12 and a half years old. They're ripe for all sorts of repairs and maintenance. But 70% we know when the three year warranty is up, 70% of these customers go elsewhere. How do service and parts dealership departments get them back into the fold and and get their business back?
1: Well, we'll be watching how those develop over the next year and, and beyond. Uh, thank you both so much for joining me today. Dan Shine, Melissa Burton. Thanks for being here on Daily Drive.
4: Thanks, Jamie. Thanks.
2: That's Daily Drive for today. I'm Jamie Butters. And I'm Kellen Walker. Thanks to Automotive News Coordinating Producer Jake Near for his help on today's podcast. You can get the latest news on auto retail, service and parts, and everything happening in the auto industry at autonews.com. Come back on Monday for a conversation about the role
1: government played in making, selling and buying cars in 2023.
4: I just think back to the headline and it was car dealers don't have the answers on the EV tax credits. And that's really where we're at. It almost just stirred up more questions than there were answers from Treasury.
1: If you enjoy the podcast, remember to like, leave a review and subscribe so you never miss an episode.